0: Hi, everyone. Hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, For those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. I'm glad you're here. I don't know about you, but that music just makes me happy for some reason. I don't know. It's awesome. Hope you're doing well. Um, I'm the lead pastor here, and just glad that you have uh, joined us here at Hilton Head Island Community Church for worship this morning. Um, When you came in today, you receive some notes and I just want to draw your attention to those. Um, the message notes are included in there and you can follow along um, as we walk through today's message. Um, if you're more inclined, if you're more technologically inclined, you have some kind of device, you know, um, not an Etch-a-Sketch or anything, but like a tablet or an iPhone or something like that, you can join our free Wi-Fi and you can get on our website and uh, you can follow along with the notes that way. So I want to encourage you to follow along. Today we're going to be in three different passages as we. We continue our series called Game Plan, but we're going to end up in Malachi chapter 3 and kind of do a, um, a phrase-by-phrase study of verse 10 in Malachi 3. And so if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to that. If you don't, um, you can look at the screens because we will have them on the screens. I don't know about you, but it has been a, a very busy week weekend. And I don't know about you, but there have been a lot of distractions even this morning in my life. And uh, so I would love for you to join me as we go to God and ask for his ability to focus on what he wants to teach us from his word this morning. So would you pray with me this morning? God, we come to you today uh, ready to hear from you, ready to receive what you have for us today. And I pray your blessing on our time. God, I pray for the distractions that we all probably have had this week, that you would help us to be focused on what you want us to learn today, what you have to teach us. And God, more importantly, I I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us into wisdom and knowledge of your word, and that you would pierce our hearts and investigate our lives. And God, may we walk out of this room different, than the way we came in this morning. May you just grant peace to those who are facing difficulty this morning. I pray that peace would overcome the relational strains that some have who are in here, that peace would overcome the financial strains that some have in here, the job strains that some have, and I pray over these next few moments that you would just give us the ability to focus on you and your word and may you be honored and glorified by our time together in jesus name i pray amen well as i mentioned this is a continuation of a series called game plan Back in the summer as I was preparing for this year's 2014 messages, I really felt like God was leading us as a church to do something that we haven't done, and that is, is have a New Year's series, kind of a, a New Year's series. But um, I don't know about you, um, but I get to the point in January, after I've made all my New Year's resolutions on January 1st, by like the 20-something, so right about now, um, It's all in the past. I don't know about you, but usually I've broken one or two of those New Year's resolutions. And so I felt like God was leading us as a church rather than to just focus on goals and and resolutions and things that we want to be better at or the things that we want to become or things that we want to unbecome um, in our lives, that we would focus on the fact that God has a plan for us. And that God is a God of order, and God is a God of planning, and that we need to have a game plan to accomplish those things. Because a goal is just a goal if it's written on a piece of paper or put on a wall, isn't it? But a game plan to achieve those things is quite a different thing. And God's word has a lot to say about planning. And so I picked four different things as God was leading, leading us uh, as a church to focus on, four different things that usually have something to do with New Year's resolutions. The first one was health. That was two weeks ago. What is the game plan for your health in 2014? That was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Uh, um, the last week, we talked about what is a game plan for your spiritual journey. What does God have for you in your own faith walk, and your own personal time with him, and your time with other people in our church What's a game plan for that area of your life? Today, we're going to talk about a game, fl- game plan for finances. Now, don't leave, okay? We're going to be talking about money. Please don't leave. Some of you are like, I came to church, and of course, the guy on the stage is going to be talking about money. It's one time in 52 weeks, okay? All right, I promise you. And be glad you weren't here last year because we spent a whole month talking about it. But here's the thing I want you to understand. God's Word has more to say about money and possessions and giving than any other topic in all of Scripture. God's Word has more to say about money and giving and possessions than anything else in Scripture. In fact, if you look at Jesus, His parables, what did they come back to so often? Finances, money. God's word has a plan for us. The problem is, is that we so infrequently follow that plan, don't we? We so frequently try to get on our own plan. I know I've done it before in my finances. We try to get on our plan, and so we don't rely on God. In fact, today I want to point out that I believe that in our society, in our culture, not just here in the United States, but even worldwide, that we have a financial reliance misbalance. We have a financial reliance misbalance. Let me explain this for you as we get started today, just to kind of set things up. We are so, as a society, too often reliant on someone else or something else to take care of the provisions in our lives, aren't we? We're so often reliant on someone else or something else to take care of the provisions in our lives. And if we do that, we can become unbalanced. But there's another factor as well. You see, on the other end of the spectrum, we so too infrequently rely on the one who can provide all of our needs. And so I believe that we as a society have an imbalance when it comes to financial reliance. We either rely on too frequently someone or something else to take care of every need that we have in life, and or sometimes we don't rely on God enough, the one that can provide for all of our needs. And if you pay attention to what's going on in the world, if you look around, you'll see examples of this imbalance in terms of financial Reliance. I want to draw out some statistics today, so if you're a math person or if you love statistics, you're going to love the next few minutes. If you don't understand that kind of stuff, I'm with you, and we can just get the spirit of what I'm going to explain here today because I did some research to try to find out and highlight the fact that this is really a true problem in our society. And so today's message is really for those of you who call yourselves Christ followers. But if you're in here today and you're skeptical of the whole God-man thing, the whole salvation thing, the whole Jesus thing, if you're skeptical or maybe you're a, a doubter, um, even some of the principles that we talk about today can apply to you as well. So let's take a look at some stats that I found over the course of the last couple of weeks that I think really highlight the fact that we have a financial imbalance in terms of our reliance on different people and different things. First of all, in terms of our federal government, this is very interesting. 40 cents of every dollar in our federal government will be spent specifically for those needing assistance, entitlements, health care, or interest on the national debt. 40 cents of every dollar will be spent assisting, do you get that, assisting someone. 40 cents on every dollar. The other 60 cents is spent on uh, government programs and that sort of thing, defense and that kind of thing. And today's message, I promise you, is not a political message, okay? I want you to understand that. If you've journeyed with me long enough, you'll know that I really never dive into politics because I believe our message here at Hilton Head Island Community Church is, should be the transforming power of Jesus Christ and that he solves all of our problems. But I want to highlight this because I think what it does is it shows us that we in our current society so rely on someone or something else to take care of our needs. And whether we need help or whether we don't need help, sometimes we just think that help is going to come our way. And we rely on something or someone else. But it's not just those who we think need help that have a reliance issue. We all have relied on someone else. My mom and dad are here today. And believe me, I've relied on them a time or two in terms of finances in my life. Thank you, mom and dad. I appreciate it very much. And can I see you afterwards? I really need 20 bucks for lunch money this week. We have the tendency to rely on someone else, and not only does our government highlight this fact, but our debt and our spending habits as a society highlight the fact that we rely maybe not on the government, but maybe rely on a bank or an interest rate to help us get through the provisions of life. It's interesting. Our current total national debt right now stands at, get this, I want you to see this, 17 million, oh wait, not million, is it? 17 billion, oh wait, wait, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, never was a math guy, 17, what is it? Trillion dollars. I see some of you counting the zeros. That's a lot of zeros. You know how many it is? 12 zeros. All right, 12 zeros. I'd love for somebody to hand me a check with, like, two behind it, you know? That'd be great. After the service, you can see me if you want to do that. (laughs) Our national debt is $17 trillion, trillion dollars. That's just here in the U.S. Isn't that incredible? But I don't know about you, I have a hard time getting my mind around $17 trillion, so let's break it down a little bit more. Each one of us, each U.S. citizen, if you are a U.S. citizen, each one of you owes... $54,612. $54,612. Happy Sunday. You some of you came in here today, you're like, well, we're debt-free. No, you're not. Not if you're a US citizen, but not all US citizens are all taxpayers, so each taxpayer actually owes $150,507. The story gets better, doesn't it? You see, we're a nation that's consumed with borrowing to get. What we really can't afford. And it's not just on a government level. Take a look at it on a little bit smaller level. The total U.S. consumer debt is $3 trillion. Consumer debt. Credit cards, cars, spending, loans, private loans, $3 trillion. The average consumer debt on a variety of different uh, analysis that I took a look at is $50,000 plus per consumer. Isn't that crazy? $50,000 of debt or more. And the average American is expected to be debt-free at 53 years old. You see, we as a society have a financial reliance imbalance, don't we? We rely on something or someone else. Maybe it is our parents. Maybe it is the U.S. government. Maybe it is a bank. We have a reliance issue as a society. And you know how I know this is true? It's because I, for a long time, had a reliance issue myself. I relied on debt on a bank to supply my needs. And I realized once I faced the reality that we had severe debt, crippling debt as a family, I realized that I didn't just have that problem, I also had a problem because I didn't trust the one who could provide for me. And I would imagine if you're in here today and you say, Todd, I am drowning in debt. I am drowning because I owe everyone. I can understand where you are because I was there several years ago. I had to sit down with my wife and explain that we had amassed all this debt and I had ignored it for years. And it was terrible and it was awful. And I realized in that moment that I needed to change my whole attitude and I needed to begin to rely on God to meet my needs. And I know some of you are there today. You know, it's interesting, when we, when we think that we can rely on God to meet our needs, here's how we think of it sometimes. We think that we're going to leave church today, and we're going to go out in our cars, and we're going to open our cars, and there's going to be a big bag of money sitting there that's sent from God, and that it's just going to happen, and you're going to open it up, and there's going to be a million dollars in it, and if that happens to you, I hope you tithe. <laughs> But isn't that what we do with God? We think that it's just going to happen if I believe. Oh, if I try, if I have faith enough. You know what? God can do that, can't he? He absolutely can do that. But it is more likely that God is going to stretch your faith in a way that's going to cost you something so that you can see him provide for you. That's what I had to do in my life when I had to face the dead. Today, what I want to do is I want to walk through four in the time remaining that we have. I want to walk through four principles that come right out of the pages of Scripture. For you to have a foundation to then go back and put together a financial plan for your goals and your New Year's resolutions this year, I've suggested five of them at the bottom of your notes today, and you can take a look at those and talk about them as a family or husbands and wives or individually if you need to discuss that. Um, and we want to put into sp- put some things into place that will help you, and I'll talk about that after the service is over today. But I want to point some things out that, first of all, the Bible says that it is our responsibility to work and provide for ourselves and our families. It is our responsibility to work and provide for ourselves and our family. Listen, God said that he is going to meet all your needs The Bible says, according to his riches and glory, he can provide everything that you need. But the Bible is also clear that we are supposed to work to earn a living. Are you with me this morning? That we are supposed to be a part of the process with God to provide for ourselves. He can do all of it. He can do it without us, but he wants us to work. I've read the New Testament probably several dozen times, either straight through or in seminary or something like that. But I somehow missed this one little passage in Thessalonians all of these years, and I found it recently in preparation for this message. And I want us to take a look at this right now. As Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica, and he speaks... Of this issue of having a good work ethic. He says this in 1 Thessalonians, excuse me, 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 through 12. Now he's speaking to the church leaders and the Christians there, and he says this, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Ouch. <laughs> you know what Paul is saying there. He's saying, you can give things away. You can give food from the storehouse and the temple away. You can help out those who are in need. But if someone is in need and they can work and they don't, don't give them something to eat. Don't continue this process of a lack of work ethic or a lack of being able and wanting to work hard. And then he goes on, he says, for we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies." I love that. That's great. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their what? What is that next word? Work. work to do their work quietly and to earn their, what's that next word? Own. Own living. See, the Bible says that we are supposed to work hard to earn a living. For those of you who think that God is just going to drop a bag in your car or in your lap, maybe he will. I believe that he is so powerful he could do that. But I also believe that he wants us to be a part of the faith stretching process. And I believe that God wants us to work to earn a living. Those of you who can work to work to earn a living. I believe that's part of life that he wants us to do. That says that right in there in the Scriptures. And for parents, you can begin instilling a good work ethic in your children at a young age. We have certain things around our house that uh, our kids are nine and almost seven um, that they have to do on a regular basis. And get this, we have a payday Friday. They get $3 if they complete all of these chores that they do. If they don't, they don't get any of it. And we, t- we are teaching them the process of working hard. Part of the reason that I love to work and I like um, the, the satisfaction of having a job is because my parents who were here made me work early. I mean, at three years old, I was, Now I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, mom and dad. But they, they told me I needed to go out and get a job. And I got jobs when I was young. As young as I could, I started working. And I know that some of you are here today, and it's been a long time since you've been able to work. And I get that. We've just come through one of the worst recessions in human history. I get that. I understand that. My prayer is is that God would provide a job for each one of you that want a job and that can work. And I pray that he will do that. So we must have this attitude that it's our responsibility to earn our own living. No one's just going to give us this money just blindly and expect and we can't expect that someone is just going to do that or something is going to do that. But secondly, we must realize that money is a tool for provision and not a path for possessions. Money is a tool for, what is it? Provisions. Not a path for, what is it? Possessions. You see, we like to think that we can gain a lot of money so that we can gain a lot of stuff and collect a lot of stuff I mean, Be on the TV show Hoarders. (laughs) God wants us to use the money that he's enabled us to work for to provide the necessities of life provision for us. Our view of money ranges so far and so wide, doesn't it? Experts will tell you, counselors, psychologists will tell you that the second reason, the second reason, next to communication, next to a lack of communication, that people get divorced is over money issues. God says money is just a tool to help us provide for ourselves. Paul, when he's speaking to Timothy, his protege, in 1 Timothy 6.10, says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. He's basically instructing Timothy that he needs to be careful and that the church needs to be careful and that we in 2014 need to be careful not to love money. Do you notice what it doesn't say? It doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. What does it say? The love of money is the root of all evil. Mark Twain said the lack of money is the root of all evil. He got that verse wrong, didn't he? The love of money is the root of all evil. Paul used a Greek word there that's one word that describes love of money. It was one word that expressed this idea of the love of money. And it literally meant an extreme greed for material wealth. That's what it meant. An extreme greed for material wealth. Before I became a Christ follower, I mean, I became a Christ follower in second grade, but before I really got serious about my walk with God, when I was about 13 or 14 years old, um, and even after that for a period of time, I thought, man, I want a job that I can be rich so I can have great cars and big homes and nice stuff. You see, that's the opposite of what God wants us to use provision for. If you can do those things, that's fine, and that's between you and God. But the love of that is what God is concerned about. You see, he's concerned about the heart issue. Are you with me on that? He's concerned about the heart issue. So we must work hard to earn a living. We must understand that money is a gift from God and a means to an end. And then we also must realize, number three, that God asks us, To give him a tithe, 10% of what we earn, so that his church can be effective, as effective as possible. God asks us to give him a tithe, 10% of what we earn, so that his church can be as effective as possible. I love the book of Malachi. Malachi was a prophet in the New Testament or in the Old Testament, and he spoke on behalf of God to the nation of Israel. And it's really interesting because the nation of Israel was going through a period of time in Malachi where they were complaining and they were crying out to God. They were saying this kind of sentiment. They were saying, God, you don't love us because of our circumstances. You don't love us anymore. You don't love us. We feel like you've turned our back. And God responded by saying, well, get introspective And find out that your circumstances that you're in, you're in because of your own choices. Has that ever happened to you with God? It has with me. Like I complain and cry out and God says, hey, look within. And I think you'll find out the things you're complaining about, you've gotten yourself into. And so the whole nation of Israel is crying out to God and Malachi comes to the nation of Israel and in it he says there's coming a day where there's going to be one that's going to take away all your problems if you put your faith and trust in him. He was talking about Jesus the Messiah. But in the message of that, he also said if you want resolution to your issues now, you must turn back to God. And hidden in that message, we find this verse, Malachi 3, verse 10. And I want to take a look at it in two parts. The first part, Malachi 310 a Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Malachi is going to the whole nation of Israel, and he says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house couple things. First of all, in that day and age, food was equal to currency. It was an agrarian society. And so if they brought grain or if they brought vegetables or if they brought fruit or chickens or animals or whatever it may be to the temple, that was the same as bringing currency. Today, what do we trade with? What do we trade with? What is our currency today? The dollar, money, Cold, hard cash, right? That's our currency of the day. In that day and age, it was an agrarian society, and currency was in the form of food. Tithe means 10%. The word there means literally means 10% in the old Hebrew. It means a tenth, a portion, one-tenth. It goes back all the way further in the Old Testament at the beginning of the man-God relationship where God set up kind of a minimum standard of giving 10% to him. The storehouse was used synonymously with the temple because within the temple there was a place where they kept food and grain so that they could minister to the poor. And so they would bring food into the storehouse, and then it was a job of the temple overseers to feed the poor and the hungry and the needy. And then lastly, I want you to look at this phrase, full tithe. And we'll spend just a few minutes on this. You see, part of the Hebrew nation returning to God was returning back to the practice of giving a tenth of what they owned and what they received in their own personal life back to God. Read Malachi very carefully. Please don't miss this. I want to point this out. Malachi, what did he say? He didn't say, hey, nation of Israel, you need to start tithing. What does he say? Bring the what? Full tithe. Say that with me this morning. Full tithe. You see Malachi on behalf of God was telling the nation of Israel that 9% was not obedience. That 8% wasn't obedience. That 1% wasn't obedience. That obedience in this area of money, in this area of finances, in this area of provision was that they would bring 10% of what they received in. You see, I went through a period of time in my own life. I'm just going to get gut level honest with you. And a lot of you have heard my story. A lot of my testimony has to do with money and debt and that kind of thing. But this bled into tithing. You see, when we overspent as a family and when I didn't recognize it as the leader of my family for a long time, when the pressure really hit, you know what I did? I backed off on what I gave God. 9%, 8%, 7%, 5%, 2%. But I still tricked myself into believing I was giving to God. What Malachi is saying to the nation of Israel, and I believe it's the same message for us today, is that 10% is obedience to God. It just is. It just is. And you see, there's two messages in here. The first one is a direct message about tithing, that God says that we should give 10% back to his church. But I think there's a deeper, more meaningful message And the umbrella, the tentacles of it, covers more than just the area of finance. It's if you're not being obedient to God fully, fully to God in any area, you're being disobedient to him. Partial obedience is no obedience. That may sound harsh. That may sound hard. But it's true, isn't it? It's true, isn't it? If I tell the truth most of the time, but I just tell a little white lie one time, I've, I've lied 100%. And so God desires that we bring 10%. M- most of you tithe, and, and I want to say thank you so much for giving to God. God has allowed Hilton Head Island Community Church to do some tremendous things in furthering the kingdom and furthering the gospel in reaching our community because a lot of you tithe. But we're kind of figured out, we guesstimate that probably about 70% of you don't tithe. Maybe you give a little bit and that's great and thank you. But God says that we should all tithe. We should give 10%. What would happen at Hilton Head Island Community Church If we all decided, all 100% of us decided that we are going to tithe, it's amazing what would happen. We could reach in our community in unbelievable ways. We could make a stronger impact than we already are. We could have more methods for preaching and communicating the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ that he came to die for our sins in a more effective way in our community. I would never have to come to you and say, we need money to build a new building. We need money to renovate this and that. Because if we all participated, then all of our needs would be supplied. And we would be a congregation that's fully obedient to God. But lest you think that this is all selfish for me as the leader of this organization, as a leader of this church, or it's selfish in terms of the church, take a look at point number four there's a benefit to you and i in terms of tithing when we do obey god our obedience to tithe gives us the right gives us the right to depend on god's physical provision in our lives i did say right that's a strong word isn't it how in the world could we have a right with god for anything well if we read malachi 3:10 It says that we can count on him meeting our needs. Look at the second part of that. He says, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more what? Need. Need. You see, we often connect God's blessings with gravy, don't we? like money that came in that we didn't expect. Man, God blessed us. He blessed me with that extra money. He blessed me with that thing. Yes, I believe that is a blessing, but God blesses you and I with our jobs. Are you with me? With our ability to go out there and earn money with our hands and feet and with our lives if he's given us that ability to do that. And he's blessed us by meeting our needs Not necessarily our wants. The promise there is that we can rely on God for our needs. That day that I had to sit down and tell Cynthia everything about our financial situation, it was uncomfortable. It was rough on our marriage. It was was very difficult. One of the most difficult things that I've had to do in my life. But then and there at our kitchen table, we decided together, and I will tell you that Cynthia led me on this at first, we determined that the first check, the very next check that we would write, is a tithe check, and we haven't looked back. And I promise you this, years later, God has met all of our needs. And it hasn't been easy, and it's been difficult, and we still are struggling with the last little bit of debt, but God has met all of our needs, every single one. And he can do the same thing with you. I promise you. If you say today, I'm in a world of hurt financially. If you begin to apply these principles to your life, God can see you out of that. And he will meet your need. He will meet your need. This coming Monday night, tomorrow night, we are kicking off Financial Peace University with Mary Aminiti. She's gonna be starting Financial Peace University. Tomorrow night is a preview night. It's actually gonna be starting in a few weeks. It's Tuesday, I'm sorry, I keep saying Monday, I'm sorry. Tuesday night, two nights from now, from 6.30 to 8.30, we'll be kicking off Financial Peace University. It's Dave Ramsey's class. I went through it, Cynthia and I went through it. I had to go through it twice to fully get it okay that's how hard-headed and stubborn i am in terms of finances but i promise you if you're here today and you feel like the world is caving in in terms of finances please i want to invite you and challenge you to take up the opportunity to go to that class go check it out this tuesday night is a preview night you can go and check it out and see if it's something that will help you but even if you're not in a bad financial situation if you just want to check up if you just want to kind of get tweaked in terms of your financial life, and you, you want to have some helps along the way, I promise this can make a huge difference in your day-to-day life. You can sign up at the guest service desk. Carrie's back there, and she can get you signed up for that today. You can come on Tuesday night and check it out with Mary and It's a fantastic class. You see, we can have all the financial goals in the world. Pay off $1,000 in debt in 2014. Save $1,500 in 2014. But if we don't have a game plan, we'll never get there. If we don't understand God's word, we'll never be able to establish a game plan. Craig Rochelle, the pastor of Life Church in Oklahoma City, the church that started YouVersion Online Bible, he once said this. He said, everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. You want to end up somewhere on purpose in your financial life? Take the challenge. Go to financial peace. Ask us If we can help counsel you, we have a couple that wants to help counsel other couples through financial situations and it all can remain completely private. Let us know how we as a church can help you so that you can have a financial game plan for a better future. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, I thank you so much for the provision that we can have in you. And God, I pray that you would help those who are in here today who are just completely gripped under financial strain. I've been there. I remember sitting, hearing a message similar to this, and my palms would get sweaty and my heart would start racing. And God, you freed me from that. And I pray for freedom in this room from financial bondage. God, I pray that you would convict us with, as a people with getting out of debt. And that you would convict us that we need to put together a financial game plan for our future that brings us hope. And that with your help, we can completely rely on you to provide for us. God, I pray for those who are in here and they need to move from a place of relying on someone or something else to a place of relying totally and completely on you father god i pray in the strong name of jesus that right now you would even pierce their hearts and god lead them to a place where they take action they don't just say they want help they don't want to say they get better but they do something about it give them courage father to show up on tuesday night at 6 30 in backstage right behind me and god may lives be changed because they go to a class for a few weeks and find out what your word says about how we can give and save and spend our money. God, you have such a plan for us. And you have a hope and a future for us. And God, I pray that your people at Hilton Head Island Community Church would be obedient and would fall under your will. And God, your authority in this area of finances. God, help us to be brave, help us to have courage to face the issues that we're facing in terms of our finances, and then to be able to develop a game plan to get out of where we are and to get in a place where you want us to be. Help us, Father God, to be a generous church. God, it's so exciting that we're able to give so many ministries money globally, locally, nationally. God, thank you for the opportunity that Hilton Head Island Community Church has to meet some needs around the world. And I pray that you would just continue that through the life of your people. We give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name I pray.